This is Gynecologic Healthcare, Chapter 17, Breast Conditions. Segment 1. Breasts are innate to the feminine image, sexuality, and reproductive function. In turn, they are the subject of much attention, especially in Western society. Breasts are admired and even worshipped in depictions of women in the media and art. Some women place great importance on the appearance of their breasts and will seek surgeries to enhance their appearance. As with most human features, breasts have basic similarities but unique features. Breasts have um, including different sizes, shapes, and asymmetries, which can be normal variants. Like any organ, the mammary gland deserves particular attention to symptomology, even if benign, and Due diligence is required to verify any abnormalities or needed treatment. The clinician should be respectful, deliberate, and conscientious in the history, examination, and plan of care for breast concerns. The presence of symptoms in the breast that may be associated with pathology causes understandable concern for women. A woman may have an underlying fear, which may not be articulated or even conscious, that she has breast cancer. The meaning of her breast to a woman will greatly influence how she reacts to having a breast condition. Providing adequate emotional support when a woman presents with a breast condition is as important as ensuring accurate assessment, diagnosis, and management of the condition. The breast conditions that are the focus of this chapter are mastalgia, nipple discharge, benign breast masses, and breast cancer. Online resources for caring for women with breast conditions can be found in Appendix 17A. This chapter uses the term breast to refer to the mammary glands located over the pectoral muscles, and it uses the term chest to refer to the part of the body between the neck and the abdomen. Some individuals refer to their breasts as their chest. People who are transgender or non-binary may use the term chest regardless of whether they have what are clinically defined as breasts. For people with mastectomy or surgical alteration, chest may better define their current chest wall structure. Use of breast in this chapter is for clarity regarding the specific anatomy being discussed and is not meant to exclude people who do not use this term for their bodies. Not all people assigned female at birth identify as female or women. However, these terms are used extensively in this chapter. Use of these terms is not meant to exclude people who do not identify as women and seek care for the conditions discussed in this chapter. Mastalgia. Mastalgia, also called mastodynia or breast pain, is one of the most commonly reported symptoms in women with breast concerns. Breast pain is a significant cause of anxiety, even though mastalgia is benign in 90% of cases. Mastalgia is classified as cyclic or non-cyclic, depending on whether its presence is related to the menstrual cycle. The majority of breast pain is cyclic, occurring one to two weeks prior to menses. As many as 70% of women experience cyclic mastalgia, and 10 to 22% of women have moderate to severe breast pain. Non-cyclic mastalgia is less common, with approximately 25% of women reporting this problem. Etiology and pathophysiology. Mild cyclic mastalgia is considered a normal physiologic condition caused by the hormonal changes of the menstrual cycle. It is clearly linked to the reproductive cycle with onset at monarchy, monthly cycling, and cessation at menopause. Stress, inflammation, and premenstrual syndrome all seem to be plausible mechanisms for moderate to severe mastalgia. Mastalgia can also be caused by certain medications, including combined estrogen and progesterone contraceptives, hormone therapy, antidepressants, digoxin, methyl dopa, semetidine, spironolactone, oxymethylone, 
and chlorpromazine. In addition, mild mastalgia has been reported by women using a levonorgestrel intrauterine device. Interestingly, some women may obtain relief from their breast pain with combined contraceptives or hormone therapy or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Fibrocystic breast changes are common among women with mastalgia, although not all women with fibrocystic breast changes experience pain, and not all women with mastalgia have fibrocystic breast changes. Fibrocystic breast changes were originally called fibrocystic breast disease, but the associated constellation of symptoms has become increasingly recognized as common to many women. Thus, these symptoms are no longer considered to constitute a disease. Such changes include tender, nodule, nodular, and swollen breast tissue. Clinical presentation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Three classifications are commonly used to distinguish the various types of breast pain. Cyclic mastalgia, non-cyclic mastalgia, and chest wall pain. Cyclic mastalgia typically begins in the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle and subsides with menses. This pain is usually bilateral. It can be poorly localized, but is most frequently associated with the outer quadrants, and it is described as soreness or aching. Cyclic mastalgia most commonly occurs in women age 30 to 50 years and accounts for two-thirds of mastalgia cases. It seems to be equally distributed in smaller and larger-breasted women. In contrast, non-cyclic mastalgia may be constant or intermittent and is unrelated to the menstrual cycle. Its incident peaks in the fourth decade of life. Non-cyclic mastalgia is more likely to cause unilaterally localized pain that is sharp and burning in nature. Women with macromastia, very large breasts, may report shoulder grooving, neck pain, and back pain in addition to breast pain. Chest wall pain is usually quite localized and becomes worse with movement and affects approximately 5 to 10% of women with mastalgia symptoms. Assessment. History. The clinician must determine whether the mastalgia is cyclic or non-cyclic, diffuse or focal, and must eliminate non-breast causes of the discomfort, such as chest wall pain. When taking the history, ask the woman about the timing, especially in relation to the menstrual cycle, frequency, location, nature, severity, and mitigating factors of the pain and its effects on her functioning. The use of an instrument, such as a visual analog scale, to rate pain may be helpful in evaluating mastalgia and monitoring the response to treatment. Prospective evaluation of pain with a daily diary can be useful in differentiating cyclic and non-cyclic mastalgia. In addition, the clinician should ask the woman about other breast symptoms, such as nipple discharge or breast mass, and whether there is a previous history of any type of breast disease or surgery. Menstrual, pregnancy, lactation, and general medical histories are all necessary as part of a comprehensive assessment for mastalgia. Note current medications, including exogenous hormones. Although caffeine has not been definitively established as a causal factor, ask about the amount of caffeine intake in case a pattern exists. Caffeine contains the chemical methylxanthine, which causes dilation of blood vessels and overstimulation of breast cells, and could theoretically result in mastalgia. However, randomized trials have failed to demonstrate a benefit of caffeine restriction in relieving discomfort. Also obtain a family history, particularly regarding breast and ovarian cancer. A complete review of symptoms is helpful in eliminating non-breast causes. See discussion of differential diagnoses. Physical examination. Perform a comprehensive breast examination, including inspection and palpation of the breasts, 
with the unclothed woman in both the upright and supine positions and evaluate the lymph nodes. Assess for skin changes, nipple discharge, and breast masses. If the pain can be reproduced with examination, note its location. The chest wall structure should also be examined for non-breast causes of pain. Diagnostic testing. Pregnancy testing should be performed if indicated by the woman's history because tender breasts can be a sign of pregnancy. Diagnostic imaging is frequently used in the evaluation of breast conditions. Information about these tests is provided in Table 17.1. A diagnostic mammogram with ultrasound can be performed for women older than 30 years. A targeted ultrasound alone is recommended for women younger than 30 years who have focal pain. For nostalgia without associated rash, mass, or nipple discharge, such diagnostic imaging is helpful only to rule out the unlikely diagnosis of cancer because there are no radiologic findings associated with diffuse nostalgia. However, with focal mastodynia, radiologic tests may identify cysts or masses that correlate. Mammography or other appropriate imaging should be considered for women with focal breast pain who have a family history of early breast cancer or other breast cancer risk factors. If a breast mast is discovered during the evaluation of nostalgia, it needs to be evaluated appropriately, as described later in this chapter. Differential diagnosis. Breast pain can originate from the breast with conditions such as pregnancy, mastitis, cysts, abscess, and cancer. Extra mammary or non-breast causes of pain are also important differential diagnoses. If the pain is reproducible with palpation of the chest wall, costochondritis or Tietze syndrome should be suspected. Costochondritis is characterized by inflammation of the costochondral or costochondrosternal joints. The second through fifth costochondral junctions are most likely to be affected. Tietze syndrome is differentiated from costochondritis by the presence of a swelling with or without erythema. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs can be helpful in relieving the symptoms of both conditions. Other potential etiologies of breast pain include medications. See the section on etiology. Arthritis, pleuritis, cervical spondylitis, herpes zoster, cholecystitis, and myocardial, myocardial ischemia. Nostalgia is rarely the principal sign of a developing breast cancer, but the possibility of cancer increases when breast pain occurs postmenopausally in the absence of hormone therapy or is accompanied by skin changes or a palpable abnormality. Nostalgia related to breast cancer usually occurs in only one area of the breast and does not follow a cyclical pattern. Management. After a clinician has ruled out malignancy and non-breast causes of nostalgia, attention turns to reassuring the woman that she does not have a serious illness and relieving her symptoms. Non-pharmacologic, complementary, and alternative therapies are often successful in the treatment of nostalgia. Severe breast pain can be chronic and relapsing and may require pharmacologic treatment. Non-pharmacologic therapies. Reassurance is the first-line treatment for nostalgia and has been found to be effective for as many as 85% of women, with more success in women with mild or moderate symptoms than in those with severe nostalgia. Wearing a supportive 
and well-fitting bra is frequently recommended, especially for women with large, heavy breasts. One small study showed that a six-week exercise regimen three times per week improved breast pain. Reductions in caffeine and dietary fat have shown limited effectiveness in diminishing breast pain. However, neither of these dietary recommendations is likely to be harmful. Supplementation with vitamins A, B, or E, or iodine or selenium, has not been consistently demonstrated effective in relieving nostalgia. There is limited evidence that acupuncture may be helpful. Pharmacologic therapies. Modifying the dose or route of hormone therapy may be helpful in reducing breast pain in postmenopausal women. Some premenopausal women report increased nostalgia with the use of hormone contraception. Trying a different contraceptive method or delivery system, such as changing from combined oral contraceptives to a non-oral combined method, in other words, the ring or patch, may sometimes prove helpful in reducing pain. Conversely, some women report an improvement in nostalgia with the use of hormone contra hormonal contraception, particularly combination oral contraception. Danazol, tamoxifen, or bromocryptine are the primary pharmacologic therapies for nostalgia, and a meta-analysis of randomized trials found that these medications offer effective relief. These medications can produce significant side effects, however, and relapses after discontinuation of therapy are common. Tamoxifen has the least problematic side effects, but the luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone inhibitor Danazol is the only medication approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for the treatment of nostalgia. Localized therapies have also been evaluated for the treatment of nostalgia, but studies are limited and dated. In one study, topical use of diclofenac, diclofenac diethyl ammonium gel, an NSAID, three times daily for six months, was found to be superior to a placebo for relieving the pain of both cyclic and non-cyclic nostalgia. A more recent study comparing oral versus topical diclofenac for nostalgia treatment failed to show any difference in efficacy based on the route of administration. In another study, women with non-cyclic nostalgia were offered an injection of 1 milliliter of 2% lidocaine and 40 milligrams of methylprednisone at the area of maximum tenderness. Participants who were given an injection experienced greater relief of symptoms than those who were treated with either reassurance or oral or topical NSAIDs. Recurrence of symptoms occurred in 16% of the women who had an injection and all elected to have a second injection. No further studies on this treatment modality have been conducted. Complementary and alternative therapies. The herbal products Phytex agnus castus, also called chaste tree or chaste berry, and evening primrose oil are frequently recommended for the treatment of nostalgia. In a systematic review and meta-analysis that included 25 and 6 studies, respectively, Vitus agnus castus, Vitex agnus castus, was found to be more effective than placebo for cyclic nostalgia. However, a systematic review and meta-analysis of four randomized controlled trials found evening primrose oil to be ineffective compared to placebo. Isoflavones, which are naturally occurring phytoestrogens, have also been proposed as a treatment for nostalgia. In a short-term study, a flaxseed bread diet was more effective than omega-3 fatty acid supplementation in reducing cyclic nostalgia. 
Another short-term study found that flaxseed powder was more effective than placebo for cyclic nostalgia. Surgical therapies. Surgery is rarely indicated for the treatment of nostalgia and runs the risk of replacing a painful area with a painful scar. Potential surgical candidates include women with macromastia, whose symptoms warrant reduction mammoplasty, and women with refractory mastalgia who resort to mastectomy after non-surgical options proved unsuccessful in providing pain relief. Mastectomy should be reserved for refractory cases and may not be curative. As with any surgery, the risks and benefits of this procedure must be considered. Considerations for, special, for specific populations. Pregnant or breastfeeding women. Nostalgia is common during pregnancy and lactation. The pain in such cases is attributed to the proliferation of breast tissue and hormonal influences on that tissue. Mastitis is the most likely diagnosis when breast pain in a lactating woman is accompanied by inflammation, erythema, chills, myalgia, and in more advanced cases, fever. Mastitis is estimated to occur in approximately 10% of breastfeeding mothers. Abscesses can also develop and should be suspected when mastitis is unresponsive to antibiotic therapy and the breast pain is worsening. See chapter 35 for additional information about mastitis and abscess in women who are breastfeeding. Nipple discharge. Nipple discharge is another breast symptom that often causes women to seek care. It is the third most common presenting symptom at breast clinics. The level of a woman's concern can range from minor embarrassment to fear and anxiety about underlying pathology. Nipple discharge can be classified as normal lactation, galacteria unrelated to childbearing, and non-milky discharge, which is usually benign. Non-milky discharge that is spontaneous, unilateral, from a single duct and clear or bloody is more likely to be associated with cancer than the physiologic discharge that can occur in approximately 50% of women with nipple manipulation. Phys physiologic discharge is often bilateral, comes from multiple ducts, multiductal, and is white, clear, yellow, green, or brown in color. See color plate 12 for an example of nipple discharge. Nipple discharge is usually the result of a benign process, but malignancy should always be considered in evaluation. Etiology, pathophysiology, and clinical presentation. There are numerous etiologies of nipple discharge. Among the most common are pregnancy and lactation, galacteria, intraductal papilloma, mammary duct ectasia, and cancer. During pregnancy, women begin to have bilaterally bilateral milky discharge that can continue as long as one year after birth or discontinuation of breastfeeding. Clear nipple discharge during pregnancy, particularly in the third trimester, usually consists of colostrum. Bloody nipple discharge during pregnancy or lactation can also occur as a result of the increased vascularity of the breast and changes in the epithelium. However, evaluation is warranted if bloody discharge occurs at any time. Galacteria is the milky nipple discharge in a woman who has not been pregnant or lactated in the past 12 months. This type of discharge is usually bilateral and multiductal and may occur spontaneously or only with nipple or breast manipulation. Galacteria is not caused by breath pathology. Instead, it results from hyperprolactinemia, which may be caused by pituitary prolactin secreting tumors, medications, hypothyroidism, stress, trauma, 
chronic renal failure, hypothalamic lesions, previous thoracotomy, and herpes zoster. In addition to glacteria, pituitary tumor, tumors can cause headaches and visual disturbances. Numerous medications can cause glacteria, including combined contraceptives containing estrogen and progestin, phenothiazines and other antipsychotics, tricyclic antidepressants, SSRIs, monoamine oxidase inhibitors, MAOs, metoclopramide, domperidone, methadone, methyl dopa, reserpine, verepamil, cimetidine, calcium channel blockers, and amphetamines. Most of these medications inhibit dopamine, which can lead to hyperprolactinemia. Hyperprolactinemia can interfere with the normal menstrual cycle, resulting in anovulation, oligomenorrhea, or amenorrhea, and infertility. Marijuana use has also been implicated in nipple discharge. Introductal papilloma and mammary duct ectasia are the most common causes of non-milky nipple discharge. Introductal papilloma typically occurs in women aged 40 to 50 years and results from a small, benign growth in the duct. The discharge with introductal papilloma is typically bloody, unilateral, and uniductal. Mammary duct ectasia, in contrast, usually occurs in women older than age 50 and results from a dilation of the ducts with surrounding inflammation and fibrosis. Nipple discharge with mammary duct ectasia is typically bilateral, multiductal, sticky, and green, brown, or black in color. Both intraductal papilloma and mammary duct ectasia may be accompanied by a palpable mass. Although women with nipple discharge are often concerned that they have cancer, and indeed it is the presenting symptom in 5-12% to of breast cancers, such pathology is the least likely etiology, but it must be considered carefully during assessment. Cancer is more likely if the nipple discharge is spontaneous, bloody, and accompanied by a palpable mass or abnormal mammogram, or if the woman is older than age 50. History. Ask the woman about the duration and color of her nipple discharge, whether it occurs spontaneously or only with manipulation of the nipple or breasts, whether it is unilateral or bilateral, and whether it comes from one or more ducts on the nipple. Review the medications she is taking in and determine whether any of them could cause galacteria. Note other breast symptoms, such as mastalgia or breast mass, and identify any history of any type of breast tissue, I'm sorry, breast disease or surgery. Ask about symptoms of hypothyroidism, for example, fatigue, weight gain, cold intolerance, hyperthyroidism, for example, nervousness, weight loss, despised increased appetite, heat intolerance, pituitary tumor, for example, headaches, visual problems, and hyperprolactinemia, in other words, for example, irregular menses, infertility, decreased libido. Menstrual, pregnancy, lactation, general medical, and family history should be obtained. Any family history of breast or ovarian cancer should be noted. Physical examination. Perform a comprehensive breast examination, including inspection and palpation with the woman in both the upright and supine positions, and palpate the lymph nodes. If the nipple discharge can be reproduced, Note the color, consistency, unilateral versus bilateral locations, and the number of ducts involved using the clock method for documentation. Assess for skin changes, breast masses, and tenderness. Additional examination may be warranted based on the woman's history, such as thyroid palpation, 
if symptoms of a thyroid disorder are present or examination of the visual fields for women with galacteria who are not pregnant or breastfeeding. Diagnostic testing. If the woman has bilateral milky discharge, perform a pregnancy test. If the test is negative, obtain a serum prolactin level and thyroid stimulating hormone measurement. If hyperprolactinemia is present, imaging of a selectursica with MRI should be performed to rule out pituitary prolactin secreting tumors. Evaluation of the woman with a non-milky discharge depends on the presence or absence of a mass and the characteristics of the discharge. When a palpable mass is present, it should be evaluated as described later in this chapter. If the discharge is spontaneous, unilateral, uniductal, and reproducible on examination, a mammogram and ultrasound should be performed if the woman is age 30 or older. If she is younger than age 30, an ultrasound of the affected breast is recommended and possibly a diagnostic ultrasound mammogram. Additional evaluation is based on imaging findings for mammogram results classified as breast imaging reporting and data system categories 1 to 3. An option of MRI or ductogram may be considered. Cytology of the discharge is not recommended due to low sensitivity, less than 30% cancer detection. Referral to a surgeon for evaluation for duct excision may be offered though tissue biopsy should be done prior to excision if imaging results in a BIRADS 4 or 5 suspicion score. If the discharge occurs only with manipulation, is multiductal, and is yellow, green, brown, or gray in color, the woman can be observed and advised to avoid nipple stimulation with a follow-up examination occurring in 3 to 4 months. Fecal occult blood testing can be used if the color of the discharge is black and there is concern for bleeding. Women fitting this description should have diagnostic mammography if they are 40 years or older and have not had a mammogram in the preceding six months. Avoiding nipple stimulation via compression is ideal. Additional diagnostic modalities that assist in ruling out malignancy include duct excision, ductoscopy, ductography. Excision of the effective or ducts allows for definitive evaluation, remains the gold standard, and may also be therapeutic. Ductography is rarely used because it has low sensitivity and is painful to women. A fiberactic optic ductoscope can be used to visualize the ducts and may prove helpful in the diagnosis and as a guide for duct excision, particularly sparing excessive duct removal in young women, thereby allowing them to retain the ability to lactate. The limited availability of ductoscopy may preclude, preclude its use. Differential diagnosis. In addition to the conditions already described, sexual stimulation, infection or abscess, and Paget disease, described in the section on breast cancer later in this chapter, can also cause nipple discharge. Management. Women who express colostrum during pregnancy should be reassured that the discharge is benign and advise that avoiding nipple stimulation will generally lead to resolution of the discharge. Physiologic discharge has a similar management plan. The treatment of galacteria unrelated to pregnancy or lactation depends on the etiology. Pituitary tumors may be treated surgically with medications or expectantly in certain circumstances. Discontinuing a med discontinuing a medication that causes galacteria or treating hypothyroidism if it is present may resolve the discharge. Bromocryptine and cabergoline 
can be used to treat galactorrhea, but symptoms often reoccur upon discontinuation of these medications. Thus, long-term therapy is usually required. Interductal papillomas without atypia that are solitary and less than one centimeter in size are generally not removed, but women who have multiple papillomas or a single papilloma one centimeter or larger are treated with duct excision. Mammary duct ectasia can be managed expectantly because it is associated with a benign process or it can be surgically treated with removal of the subareolar duct system if imaging shows focal thickening of the duct wall or if symptoms are severe. If breast cancer is diagnosed, appropriate management should be initiated according to this to the disease stage as discussed in the breast cancer section later in this chapter. And this is the end of segment one.